Long before there were thousands of television channels and dozens of streaming platforms, even before there were DVDs or even VCRs where you could record shows, there were only three channels. Does anybody remember those days? And if you wanted to watch anything, you had to tune in to one of those three stations. That was it. You had no other choices. And one of those networks decided that every year on a Sunday evening, they would show The Wizard of Oz. Now, in my family, it was a ritual. You had to watch The Wizard of Oz. It was required watching. And I have to admit, I had a love-hate relationship with The Wizard of Oz. I mean, I love the characters. I love the story, happy endings. I'm all about happy endings. But I was not very fond of the witches. And those flying monkeys scared the bejeebers out of me. I have to say, I still have nightmares over that. Well, you know the story. You know the plot. Dorothy is this girl from Kansas. And she, she has this vision or this dream. I wasn't ever completely sure exactly what was going on there. But uh, she is lost and she wants to go where? Home. Because after all, there is no place like home. Now, I don't know. I think she's the only adolescent who ever really wanted to go home. But it is a fairy tale, so we'll, we won't go there. So she wants to go home, but she doesn't know how to get there. And so she meets the good witch of the East. And by the way, I still have problems with good witches. But anyways, another story I digress. So good, the good witch of the East is Glinda. And Glinda explains to Dorothy that the only way that she can get back home is she needs help from the Wizard of Oz. And so she has to go to the Emerald City in order to get that help. And then the question is asked, how do I get there? And Glinda, she points and she says, you need to start at the beginning. And then she points down, just follow the yellow brick road, right? Just follow the yellow brick road. And that then begins the story of Dorothy going to the Emerald City, getting the help from the Wizard of Oz, and finally returning home. So, wouldn't it be great if you had a yellow brick road in life? A road that would always lead you in the right direction. A road that would bring you back home to the right place. Wouldn't it be great if you had that road that would lead to success in every area of life? So that you would have a marriage where you want to come home early every day to be with your spouse. Wouldn't it be great if you had this yellow brick road that led you to financial success and good health and would restore all the relationships that may have been ruined along the way? Wouldn't that be great? Well, as we take a look in these next six weeks, the principle of the path, we will see something about this road. Now, as we go back to our story of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, 
I need to ask you, was there anything special about Dorothy that allowed her to find her way home? Contemplate that for a moment. Hmm. I would suggest that there isn't. After all, she is a simple farm girl from Kansas. What about her companions along the way? A little dog named Toto. We have a scarecrow, a tin man, and a cowardly lion. No, it is the yellow brick road. It is the path that she has chosen that leads her to her destination. And so, even though she did encounter some obstacles along the way, she never got lost. Now, there is a a Bible verse here in your notes, if you take a look at that. It says, there is a path before each person that seems right. But in the end, it leads to death. Let me ask you, just from a a geographical standpoint, from a, a physical standpoint, Has anybody here ever been lost? Raise your hand. Yes. Uh, Guys, did you ask for directions? Uh, We don't usually do that, do we? We kind of seem like we want to figure it out all on our own. And so many people in life, on the proverbial road of life, when we get lost, we seem to think we can figure it out on our own. We all have good intentions. We think we're fairly smart people. We're going to figure this out. We're going to find the right road. The Bible says, way too often, the road that we think is right is not the right one. And it doesn't lead to life, but rather it leads to death. Now, I ask this question fairly frequently in my sermons. I'll ask it again. Do any of you have problems in life? Raise your hand. Yeah, We do, right? It's kind of where we seem to get stuck a lot is in our problems. Well, I have very bad news for you today. Uh, There is no fixing for most of your problems. (laughs) How do you feel about that? Pretty good? Pretty good coming to church today? So turn to the person next to you and say, most personal problems cannot be fixed. Can you do that? Your problems cannot be fixed. Okay, bad news. That does not sound very good at all. Well, here's the deal. Cars can be fixed, right? You can take it to the repair shop. Whether it's damage to the body, they can fix it, make it look just like new, like the accident never happened. Or if it's an engine problem, a mechanical problem, someone can fix that problem. Air conditioners can be fixed. Lawnmowers can be fixed, although apparently I have a lawnmower uh, that I cannot fix. I have a lawnmower that apparently, when it is in my presence, never works. I don't know why that is, but it's an amazing machine. I can call someone, have it towed to their repair shop, and it works. No, No, really, they don't even have to do anything to it. They don't. It just works. And they charge me $150 and bring it back. And then it doesn't work again. I don't know. Uh, you know, most machines can be fixed. Here's the problem. You are not a machine. We are human beings. 
And so, when we make a decision, we can't go back and undo it. It's permanent. It's a part of our past. And so, all we can really do is look for a new direction, a new path. So, here's the good news. Even though most of our problems cannot be fixed, most of our problems can be avoided if we're on the right path. And so, if we're on that path, we can have practically a life that has far fewer problems than what it could otherwise. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get to the principle of the path, I want to talk just a little bit about principles in general. Again, there in your notes, we need to define what is a principle. Well, one of the best things I learned years ago in teaching science, in defining something, we tell the students what it is not. So, principles are not rules that you can follow. Rather, principles follow you, whether you know it or not, wherever you go for all of your life. A principle is also not something that you choose to apply, but rather it applies itself to you. Again, whether you're conscious of it or not. A principle is not a law that you can break, but if you break the principle... It can break you. Principles are always at work in the background, again, all the time, whether you know it or not. So, an example. How many of you in high school heard of Archimedes' principle? Anybody? Archimedes. Some of you know this principle. It's the principle of buoyancy. It is a principle that allows us to understand that when we put something in the water that that water is displaced. So if you're in the bathtub, or if you're in a boat, or if you're on a cruise ship, Archimedes' principle of buoyancy is in effect. Even if you don't understand it, even if you can't define it, it is going to be there. It helps us to understand why a five-ounce pebble will sink, but a 50-ton battleship will float. The same principle when leverage can save a drowning person's life or if it is ignored, it can cause that very same person to drown. Very much like gravity. We often call gravity what? The law of gravity. But it's not a law at all. It is a principle, whether you agree with it or not. If you get on top of our building here today, which I don't recommend, by the way, But if you were to climb up there and jump off, even if you disagreed with the law of gravity, you would still jump down. You would fall down. Gravity always works whether you agree with it or not, whether you can explain it or not, whether you believe it or not. So you can either leverage it for your good or you can ignore it to your demise. And so, in life, We are all going to make decisions. We make decisions every single day. And those decisions then are going to determine the path that we are on, the direction of our life. Now, so often people come up with this little idea that regardless of the decisions that they have made, because they have good intentions, because they are good people, because they are intelligent 
Christians that in the end, everything will work out. Have you ever said that? Everything's just going to work out. And yet, we so often make decisions to go on a path that will allow us to sink. So, finally, we're going to get to the principle of the path, and this is it. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. All right? Direction, not intention, determines your destination. That's what we're going to talk about over these next six weeks. And for our example today, we have Solomon. Did anybody uh, wonder why I chose 1 Kings chapter 11 in this, this verse about Solomon for the scripture today? Well, it seemed a little bit curious, but let's go back to it. What do we know about King Solomon? Anybody? He is what? He's a king, king of Israel. What else do we know about him? The wisest person who ever lived. The Bible says it about him repeatedly. That all the kings of the earth would come to Solomon. They would come to Jerusalem so they could learn from him. He wrote the Proverbs. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He tells us all of these things that we can stake our life on. One of the wisest things that he did when he was still a young boy, when he knew that he was going to be the king, and he prayed to God, and God said, you can have whatever you want, he asked for wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, he also became the richest man in the world, and the kingdom of Israel expanded to its largest point in history. Now, do you know how much King Solomon earned every year? 25 tons of gold. How much is that? You've ever seen a ton of gold? Pound of gold? Ounce of gold? Now, I did just a little bit of math, and this could certainly be wrong. Depending on the price of gold, because it does fluctuate, but I just use round figures, round math figures, $2,000 an ounce, 25 tons of gold is approximately $1.7 billion a year, U.S. dollars today, which is a lot, no matter how you measure it. He had thousands of chariots. He had tens of thousands of horses. And he also had, if you caught this or not, I saw a few eyebrows, 700 wives. Not to mention 300 concubines, because after all, 700 wives is just not enough. So you need 300 concubines as well. So, the wisest man in the world, the richest man in the world, the most influential man in the world, and yet, our passage for today said that his life would come to ruin. That he would lose it all. He would lose his riches. He would lose his kingdom. And he would lose, if he stayed on that path, the most important thing of all, his relationship with the Lord. And you ask yourself, how could the wisest man in the world, how could a really smart guy, how could a guy who has everything throw it all away? How could he suddenly fall into this trap? And here is the point. 
it was not sudden. It happened over a long period of time, and it was utterly predictable because of the path that Solomon had chosen. Did Solomon have good intentions? Of course he did. He had this idea that according to conventional wisdom, if he would form an alliance through marriage with all of these other kings, with all of these other nations, that he would have peace in Israel. That's why he married these 700 women. Can you imagine 700 wives? 700 mothers-in-law? I mean, what was he thinking? He wasn't. Great intentions, but it's direction. Not intention, not dreams, not aspirations, not even our prayers, not even what we believe that determines our destination. And it happens every single time. And so Solomon loses his kingdom to one of his subordinates. His family is split apart. It isn't again until the end of his life that the Lord promises promises him because he has not lost his faith in God that his kingdom will remain at least for a time. Now for all of us, we need to ask ourselves these questions. I have them here in your notes. What about the path that you are on? Where is it going to lead you? We all have a destination in mind in our life, certainly for this life, but also for the one to come. Is the path that we are currently on? Is the path that our children are currently on? Is the path that our grandchildren are currently on? Is the path that our community currently on? Is it going to lead to the destination that we desire? And does our own intentions line up with our current direction? The the famous theologian Yogi Berra (laughs) once said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. But which one are we going to? to take. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, the one who was on this path to destruction, also said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him who is the Lord and he will keep your paths straight. Solomon's problem was that even though he had prayed to the Lord for wisdom, when it came to the most important path that he would take in his life, he only relied on his own understanding, the conventional wisdom of the world, the information that was at hand. Rather than trusting in the Lord, he leaned on his own understanding. It is my prayer over these next six weeks, that we would once again check the direction, the path of our own lives so that we can enjoy 
the abundant life that God has planned for us here on this earth. But finally, so that we and our children and all of those people that we care about would be on that path that leads to eternal life with Jesus himself. So I hope you'll be with me over these next six weeks. The principle of the path. Let's all rise.